This I Work For Him podcast is brought to you by the Pocket Testament League. Visit ptl.org for practical resources and encouragement to help you share your faith. ptl.org. Hey, welcome to I Work For Him today as we broadcast to you from Dallas, Texas. Oh, is it beautiful here? And we are here courtesy of the Christian Leadership Alliance. You need to check it out online, christianleadershipalliance.org. You know, Jim, I was just thinking about the fact that we have a listener line, and um, this is an opportunity for listeners to be able to call in and leave a one-minute message. And whether that is to tell us that, you know, you need to become more winsome on the air, as we talked about on yesterday's show, or whatever it might be. Still working um, on that. You're going to work on that. But we love to hear from our listeners, and that's just one of many ways. We know that everybody communicates differently, so we have lots of different opportunities. So our listener line is 866-713-9675, 866-713-WORK. Please feel free to use that. Give us a call. Leave a message. Let me know how I can reach back out to you um, and we can connect. I love list- talking to our listeners. That's one of the funnest things I do. I get to do is to return that phone call and get to chat with them and find out um, what the Lord's doing in their world. And, you know, sometimes we're even, people are unhappy with where they're at and being able to encourage them or answer any questions. So use the listener line. So we're on location in Dallas, Texas, like I said, courtesy of the Christian Leadership Alliance, where they focus on equipping and uniting leaders. So they equip leaders to be better stewards, to be, to be, make sure their organizations operate with excellence and efficiency and their effectiveness, but also that they unite leaders. And what they mean by unite, we're in a, we're in a room full of thousands of people, and it is to gather together and find collaborations, to network together, to find people that aren't reproduced, to stop the reproducing of the wheel within the kingdom. Mm-hmm. It's just so important. But one of the things that we have seen at being a nonprofit, I work for him, and working with nonprofit organizations that we highlight every day on I work for him, is that there's some need for pursuing excellence in that nonprofit world as well. So we're bringing in two experts in non in the nonprofit world. They've got great stories to tell, great stories to share, and we're going to talk about excellence in our organizations and they talk about a board governance that word scares me but excellence as we run a nonprofit. we've got von allow and we got wes wilmer these guys are here they're, they're representing ecfa.org we'll let them tell you more about that later but wes and vana welcome to i work for him Thank you. Thank you for allowing us to be here today. Yeah, great to be here. It is our pleasure. So one of the first things that we always do when we bring on new guests onto our show is let our listeners get to know a little bit about your faith journey. So Vanna, let's start with you. How did you become a follower of Jesus Christ? Well, that's fun. Uh, I will say I grew up in a family that was Lutheran because we were German. Um, so not a reflection on the Lutheran religion at all, but that's why we were. And so we, mm-hmm. we did that. But grew up in a small town where my parents wanted me to have a good education and felt like the small little Christian school in town was the place to do that and not the public school. And through Christian education and the teachers and influence and speakers that came through there, I came to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know, fast forward 20 years beyond high school when I did that, it's amazing to see, you know, the rest of my family over time, the Lord brought them to him as well. But mm. it really was primarily through Christian school and Christian education. That's fabulous. You know, and that is such a great testimony to the fact that, um, you, ne- you know, Christian schools don't always 
you know, you're just not automatically a Christian because you're going to a Christian school, but they have such incredible influence over the young generation that they um, are in educating. So thanks That's for right. sharing So that. Wes, Wilmer, talk about your faith journey. How did you become a Jesus follower? Yeah, I thank God that I had a, a family that uh, followed Jesus. And mm-hmm. uh, when I was in um, sixth grade, going to a vacation Bible school at a local church, uh, there was, it was an older couple who was probably volunteering their time. I remember... The lady, uh, she, she had an, an eye that kind of went off one side and wasn't real pleasant to look at just as a young kid, didn't think any different. But she pulled me aside and said, do you know Jesus? And, you know, are you going to heaven? And it was pretty serious stuff. So I uh, went home and talked to my my parents and my sisters and just uh, kind of started to walk through that. Then later that summer, I went to a Christian camp and actually made a decision walked forward uh, at that time in my life, uh, accepted Christ. And then about ninth grade in a different church we were in, um, actually made a commitment to full-time Christian service. And so looked at looked at the idea of what, what does that look like and how can I play that out in my life. So th- those are kind of three touch points that uh, God used to, to bring mm. me uh, into his fold. That's awesome. Wes, you've had quite a career working in organizations like Wheaton, Wheaton University, Biola University, with Mission Increase, Prison Fellowship, ECFA, you know, those are all organizations that it would seem like that would be obvious that your work really matters to God. But at what point in time did you realize that your work mattered to God, that the that even though that you weren't a pulpit pastor or an overseas missionary, that the work that you did every day was making an impact in the kingdom? Yeah. Um, I'll back up into majority of my career has been in Christian higher education. And so, as you mentioned, several of the different Mm -hmm. institutions there. But one of the things about uh, higher education is the whole issue of integration of faith and learning. And what does that look like? And professors and others try to take that on. Uh, When I got my Ph.D., I just started uh, doing workshops and writing and things that were looking at the culture and how they approach things. And it was during the 1980s when the Jimmy and Tammy Faye Baker scandal erupted that Mm -hmm. it kind of uh, got me uh, woken up a bit. I was at uh, Wheaton College at the Billy Graham Center, and that whole scandal was a real black eye uh, for the in the 80s for the yeah. entire country and particularly evangelicals, the, the Ponzi scheme that they were operating on and so forth. And so I actually organized a, a conference at that point that was called Funding the Christian Challenge, had about eight or about 500 people attending uh, from around the country and started to just look at what is what is our faith and and what we're doing with finances within the Christian world, what's that look like? So that that's kind of the history of, of where I got to say, how, how does it, and, and it's out of that, uh, I, I edited a book, uh, Money for Ministry, and since have done other other books and writing in, in that area. But that, that's kind of down the road that I that I took and how to, how I, I got my faith into, into what I was doing professionally. That's awesome. And and the fact that you see the need for excellence in the things that you saw kind of crumbling underneath and you said, what can we do about it? And use the gifts that God gave you to shore that up. That's fabulous. Savannah, what about you? Did you... Um, have to come to a point where you understood that your faith and your work were connected or did that just come naturally for you? Well, you know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, I'm a CPA, so 
yes. graduated from college. My husband and I said, where do we want to live? We looked all over the country and ultimately uh, had a connection in Colorado Springs. And this connection was with four different public accounting firms there. Mm -hmm. And so over the course of two days, I interviewed with four firms. And the last of them was one that focused uh, exclusively on serving Christian ministries. And I left that interview and drove to where we were staying. And I said to my husband, I'll turn down any interview to go. I mean, I'll turn down any offer to go there and did. And, and just the idea of being able to use accounting mm -hmm. in ministry was something that was foreign to me. I didn't even think about that uh, as I was pursuing an accounting degree. And as I spent time there, over years and ultimately 20 years in doing that and getting wow. to serve Christian ministries, uh, getting to have so many different opportunities in the ministry community, I realized that we have to be intentional about it. You know, accounting, looking at numbers, if you're not intentional about it, it whether you're in a ministry or serving ministries, it tends to be the same. If you're doing payroll, it could be the same thing, whether you're in a ministry or at IBM or the local Ford dealership, so you have to really realize that, you know, what you're doing supports the front lines. Mm -hmm. And I think that's true whether you're a donor or you're in ministry or whatever, being able to see beyond the day to day to see how that impacts people personally. Uh, and, and what you just spoke into, there's so many people that are bookkeepers and CPAs that are listening today going, yeah, but I, I I'm behind the scenes. They're, they're the kind of people you don't usually see. I mean, they're not up on the stage going, hey, I do book work. I do CPA work. I do the accounting. I Absolutely. do journal entries. Yet an organization can't thrive without great accounting behind it. Well, and I've, I've used this analogy as I've spoke for years, because usually what I'm speaking about is all of the support stuff. Mm -hmm. And it's to say, that's important. And if you don't think it is, then don't write the paycheck next week and you'll find out how important those support roles are. <laughs> All right. Here's the deal. We've got two amazing guests with us today. Wes Wilmer. He's written a book. He's got it in front of him called The Council. We're going to have to hear about that book. And we've got Vonna Lau. She's with ECFA. And it's, what does that stand for again? Because I don't have it written down right in front of me. Absolutely. That's the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. So if your organization has really tight books and they're, and you are, are agreeing to many different standards, you can get an ECFA seal of approval. We'll talk about that in a little bit because that's something they do. And if, and you as a Christ-following nonprofit, that's something you should strive for. The ECFA is a, that is something that, that people are like, oh, do you have that seal of approval? <laughs> it's almost like the good housekeeping thing used to mean 40 years ago. Okay, right before the break, Vanna, we were talking about your role in your ministry, your mission field of accounting, and how critical it is. Yet so few people recognize it as a true calling. Yet, do you have any doubt in your life that that was a calling on your life to be an accountant? Absolutely not. I mean, this is where God has me right now, has had me for the last several years, and it's a, a privilege and a blessing to be able to use those skills. And Wes Wilmer, I owe you an apology. I didn't call you a doctor, Wes Wilmer. You, anybody that's worked that hard to get a doctorate deserves at least be called it once on the show, because it's not an easy task to get a doctorate. I don't ever intend to get one. So Dr. <laughs> Wes Wilmer, you spent your world in fundraising for nonprofits and development work for nonprofits in, in marketing and community relations. I mean, helping people understand and appreciate and give money to the organizations that you represented. That's a true gifting because you're asking people for cash all day long. You're, you're developing relationships <laughs> so you can get them to feel compelled to support your organization. Do you ever doubt that that was a calling on your life? 
No, no. It uh, it, it evolved and uh, you know took t- different steps along the way, but God continued to to work in my life. And a big piece of that is going back to this: what does it mean within the Christian faith of how we how we act and and how we ask for money and so forth? And the the, the whole I mean just the whole idea of like the language we use uh, that we talk about the fact that that uh, people that are if they're stewards, then they're not philanthropists. If they're stewards and God owns it all, they're not donors because donors imply that the people have the money. It's really God's money that they're stewarding. Mm-hmm. And so so that has been a big part of what has gotten me in, into some of the things that I've written and worked on is, is how do we... How do we make that happen within the Christian community, and what's that look like? Generosity, one of those conversations that needs to be happening more often because it's supposed to flow from the heart of every Jesus follower. You shouldn't be having to have conversations to convince people to give of the money they're stewarding, yet it is often like pulling teeth. I mean, have you ever thought about this? Like, this is frustrating. I don't want to do this anymore. (laughs) You we're on radio. You can't shake your head. You have to actually use words, <laughs> Wes. There is no he was TV being camera. Contemplative, I, I think. Oh, <laughs> were you thinking before you speak? There's something I'm still learning. I mean, but has, has it ever gotten to the frustration where you're just like, I'm tired of asking Christians for money? No, I, I think w- as you look at the, the the way I view it is that you're really shepherding God's stewards, mm. and you're mm, coming alongside word. them. You're not asking them to give anything of themselves; rather, they are sharing what God has blessed them with. I, not too long ago, called a lady in in boy it was in the Boise, Idaho area to thank her for a gift, and uh, she'd been a longtime supporter, and and I basically said that thank you for the gift she said don't thank me thank god he's the one provided for me i mean it's that whole attitude and mentality we have a culture that's just pushing against that so much you know you pay so much for a a plate of food and part of it goes for for a gift but that's really not so much out of the heart is that you're a steward of God's resources. Mm-hmm. And you, d- isn't it wonderful that somebody actually gets that and it communicates it back to you and really understands that it's God's uh, to begin with and they've just been blessed to be the steward of it. And so we are here at the Outcomes Conference um, uh, courtesy of the Christian Leadership Alliance. And I just want to hear personally, Wes, maybe you can share first, how has the Alliance impacted you personally and helped you in any area of your life? Sure. Uh, I have uh, a fairly long history. Actually, the <laughs> the Alliance is the merger of the Christian Stewardship Association and Christian Management Association. And I got involved with the Christian Stewardship Association. And that's actually this conference that I talked about earlier, funding the Christian Challenge was actually part of that group. And then as as these as they merged, I have continued to be on, on the board. I was a chair of Christian Stewardship Association and then on the board of Christian Leadership Alliance. So so there's been uh, an opportunity or a platform that, that this Christian Leadership Alliance has provided in terms of both learning from taking classes, mm-hmm. being able to meet other people that you can mentor and, and go along those roads, and then the opportunity to teach and to see people have aha moments that they start to see some of these things. What's it mean when God really owns it all? So there, there's a variety of things that, that have uh, meant a lot to me. 
Well, it must be touching you if you've been involved that many years. I mean, this must be an incredible, you must look forward to this every year. Yeah, you meet a lot of people. Uh, that you only see once a year, and so that that's a great opportunity and new 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 faces and new people and new ideas also just and, great to keep you going and yet it is a the more we learn about it it is an ongoing year long relationship of uh, alliance that continues to have educating opportunities and learning opportunities throughout the year and that's really one of the things we want our listeners to learn about if this is if they're involved in a nonprofit of any sort um to check out Christian Leadership Alliance online and they can learn how to hop in at any point in time not having to wait for an annual conference so vana how about you You've been involved in the Christian Leadership Alliance. You've got this incredible background. How has it impacted your life? Well, you know, there are a number of things that come to mind. And one of those is I've grown professionally. Uh, We've talked uh, on the Advisory Council of Christian Leadership Alliance about how do we engage some of the younger leaders. and, And I laughed and said, Well, I don't know because I've been involved for 20 years and I just kind of came up through it. I used to be one of the kids and I'm not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But over that time, I've had the opportunity to really grow professionally. And I would say CLA has stretched me personally. uh, And I came from attending the conference uh, at one point in time, spending time in the exhibit hall as an exhibitor. And then ultimately have spoke a number of years in different workshops and intensive seminars and things like that and helped with developing online curriculum. So they have definitely stretched me uh, just in the abilities that that I have and the exposure that they've given me and things that I've gotten to do. So that's been fun. But to me, and Wes alluded to this, just the networking and the people um, it's such an amazing group of people and there are a comprehensive set of resources that CLA Mm -hmm. provides. Martha, you spoke about that. Um, But as far as the conference itself, I love connecting with the people and that they are authentic and vulnerable. And uh, I just mentioned to someone recently, when you ask someone here how they're doing, you don't get fine you get how they're doing mm-hmm. because people are invested. And I think that one of the neat things is just the spiritual encouragement and challenge that you receive through the CLA offerings and especially at the Outcomes Conference. And sometimes we as leaders don't get that. Uh, we don't have that opportunity to invest in ourselves. And so being able to do that is so amazing. And I would say um, I've seen, to echo that, that Christian Leadership Alliance is really um, providing top-notch quality um, sessions and leadership um, education and training in all of these different spheres that um, not only at the conference but year-long that are just high quality. And I think that that draws people that really intentionally want to improve themselves too. So I think that creates a room of uh, authentic people being vulnerable and saying, you know what, I'm here mm-hmm. to learn to be even better at what I do. And that just creates an amazing environment, doesn't it, 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 it does. It, it, it's, a, it's a collaborative environment. It's a wonderful environment. You can feel the love in the hallways while you're walking down the street. Mm-hmm. Vana, before we go to the end of this segment, I, I got to ask you about this question. I have never seen this ever in anybody's resume. You are a member of the Church Management Hall of Fame. 
Well, that's true. And what I thought, I was really excited when I found out about that because I'm a sports fan and I don't know of a Hall of Fame that you can be in without being retired. So I thought it was done. I was like, <laughs> sweet. And then they were like, no, actually, you, this just, you continue on your day-to-day -day life after this. So I was a little disappointed. But wow, wow, a CPA with a sense of humor. I like this. Very good. Very good. <laughs> but seriously, how do you get a, a, a church management Hall of Fame award? I mean, was the church that much of a mess that it was so noteworthy? that you got an award or what? <laughs> There's an organization that serves churches, okay. uh, the Church Network, okay. and they look, um, they work with a lot of individuals and organizations that serve churches around the country, especially in the areas of administrative type um, topics. So mm -hmm. I, how do you get it? You serve there a long time in that community, and what do you know? That's and fantastic. I love that. Fame. We've got Vonna Lau here. She has an award. The first time we've ever interviewed anybody with the Church Management Hall of Fame Award, <laughs> which means she's worked really, really hard, but she's got 20 plus years in public accounting and has got a CPA that she's now working with ECFA, which is the organization you want your nonprofit to have their seal of approval on before you move forward. What? Go so ahead, let's Martha. just talk Sorry. about the ECFA just real okay. quick for people that may have only seen it in the corner of an ad on a magazine. You know, like there's some, you know, some ministries got that under their name or something like that. So tell people what ECFA really is and um, why maybe a nonprofit needs to align with it. Sure. So ECFA, again, the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability, really there are three kind of pillars uh, that our resources come under and the seven standards, Jim, that you referred to earlier. And those are fundraising, finance, and board governance. And so ministries choose to be part of ECFA and become members. Mm -hmm. And they annually affirm that they continue to adhere to those seven standards. And, and those are things like the first one is related to statement of faith. So we're an evangelical council. So they're Christian ministries that are part of this. Some of those are, you know, transparency that they make their financial statements and their form 990 available if upon request and board governance is certainly an important topic. And we have standards related to you have a minimum number of board members and a majority of those need to be independent. And those are really to us the the important steps for an organization to show their accountability. Mm -hmm. uh, ECFA's mission statement is enhancing trust in Christ-centered churches and ministries. Hmm. That's fabulous. So well, if someone's in, it not um, associated with them in any way, can they just go online to get connected and start asking questions for their organization? Yes, their organization, ecfa.org, as we've mentioned. Uh, you can go there. You can click on Join ECFA. There, under there is information about kind of frequently asked questions and, you know, what does this cost and what does this mean? Pretty straightforward. Excellent. So let's just talk about the kinds of things you find when somebody says, hey, I'd like to get the ECFA stamp of approval. Wes, when you <laughs> look at an organization, what are some of the common struggles you see those nonprofit Christian, quote unquote, Christian nonprofit organizations? What are some of the big struggles they're having? Yeah. Well, Vanna knows these things better than I do because she works at, kind of in the underbelly as the accountant. You know, now, remember, we know what's going scary. on. This <laughs> came up on another show. The underbelly is not always negative because that's where they get the bacon. So let's just remember that. So let's just remember that. He, he just raised us. it to a whole right. new level. 
But uh, the, the the board issue is certainly a, a, a big one, as Vaughn mentioned, an independent board. Some people just get their family together and think they have a board, and that it doesn't, it doesn't work very well, and it needs to be a certain size. And then how do they how do they clarify who they are as a Christian organization, and where where how do they make that happen in terms of a vision is all all part of the some of the core issues for any nonprofit and and I think it's important Vaughn said at the end they they really have worked to expand the church f- function and accreditation as well as other 501c3s uh organization so Vaughn can probably explain that more but that I think a big part of the last 5 10 years the church emphasis has really been increased right so we do work with nonprofit organizations, 501c3 organizations, and by far the fastest growing segment of our membership population now is the church market. And churches have seen that need, especially larger churches, to have some outside accountability. So do you guys like provide auditing functions? I mean, does that mean you say somebody wants to be, I mean, do you like, okay, we'll come in and we'll audit your books, we'll audit your organization, we'll audit your board governance, and we'll let you know how you're doing? I am proud to say we do not do financial audits. As a 20-year <laughs> now reformed auditor, I am glad to not do that. But we do make sure that organizations are adhering to those seven standards. And because that's broad-based, we don't get down into the nitty-gritty details. Uh, I tell people, I don't want to look at a journal entry. (laughs) But we want to know that the foundational principles are in place for all three of those areas. And and we'll ask for and review a lot of information related to governance, fundraising, and finance. And that's an annual uh, application. I mean, you have an initial, but then it's renewed annually. Right. So there's an application to become a member. And then annually, organizations send in information. They send in their financial statements that have been audited, reviewed, or compiled by a CPA. We rely on the independent CPA firm to do their jobs, and we look at that. We don't do that ourselves. Uh, There are a couple of other things that they send in annually and affirm that they still adhere to those standards. And then periodically, we may be on site to to look deeper and come alongside. And the fun part of that, having been an auditor where nobody wanted us, you know, the two jokes that are told at the start of every audit is we're here to help you and we're glad you're here. We don't have to worry about that (laughs) because we truly are there to help them. Mm -hmm. And they understand that we're partners in ministry because the ministries and ECFA are striving for the same thing. We want to be... Uh, we want to hold up that trustworthy accountability in the ministry community and be that beacon in the world for them to see. As a former board member, another piece of this is that there are organizations that become out of compliance. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that it's, in a sense, a watchdog that actually some people can lose their membership and others are coached into how they might change things but it it's really to the general giving population out there to know that there there's no higher seal than ecfa it's it's much different than some of the secular kinds of things and 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 so they they prune some organizations that's a healthy thing well and talk about that i mean this is as jesus followers we should be the example to the to the to the world around us we should be setting the standards of excellence and really Wes that's what you're talking about is that sometimes we don't meet those standards and therefore we got our future freed from having an ECFA approval I mean that's what you're saying 
Yes. Well, yeah. and what I'm also thinking about is I can imagine that some organizations, because of transitions or just changes within, don't even realize that they've lost um, some of those checkpoints. And it's it's really great that there's some organization that you can count on to to help keep you in check. Because I was just thinking, Jim, as only, I mean, we've only been a nonprofit for mm, a year and a half. Yep. And it is um, really great to know that you can do something to have somebody come alongside you and make sure you're doing the things that you need to be doing because it is very overwhelming especially for a small organization starting up because guess what the government doesn't come alongside and go okay honey let's make sure you get everything done you know it just doesn't work that way so this is the year of excellence in board governance right is that the right way to say it (laughs) yes so this is ecfa's 40th anniversary year and we have looked at uh, really board governance and realized that in the last couple of years, there has been uh, an understanding or an awareness amongst boards like never before. And they, you know, oftentimes nonprofit boards have some really phenomenal people on their boards that may even serve in, you know, some high capacity boards, but ministry is different. And yet, we still have to do that with excellence. Mm-hmm. And it, that can be interesting sometimes to blend the, the business and excellence side of things with ministry. And I think that they're understanding now that they need help with that. And so we're excited to, to provide some resources this year in that area. But it goes both ways because those business owners who are Jesus followers are learning how to integrate ministry into their business because they really run a business tree. And you're talking about a ministry who has to incorporate their business practices. So it shouldn't be that the board member needs to relearn how to be a board member. I mean, the skills that he's got as a board member of a, of a corporation should really flow right into the skills member needed to run a nonprofit because just because it's not for profit doesn't mean it shouldn't be excellently run and the tough questions shouldn't be asked. Exactly. And I think that's what at times has happened mm-hmm. is we take our business hat off and we put our ministry hat on and we think that those two things are separate and, and they're not. And I mean, Jim, you've said it the other way around works too. We've got a ministry hat that we can wear day to day in our business setting. And so just understanding what that looks like. And we're excited about some of the resources that are coming out from ECFA this year. We've got a number of books related to board governance. Uh, and we've got some webinars and podcasts and, and also some board governance forums that we'll do this fall, one-day board governance forums around the country. Okay, you just freaked out people by saying board governance forums, but you're, I mean, seriously. <laughs> no, I just freaked you out, not, yeah, not, oh, not everybody oh, else. Oh, wow, I like you. So who, little, not, so the, not the normal people. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, this is getting good. Okay, but seriously, so, who should be going to those? I'm sorry, Martha, is that what you're yes. going to ask? Martha, go ahead and ask. It, it's Excellent. for members, I would both. assume. Actually, we've opened it up uh, for members. It's free. We're charging a, a nominal fee for non-members. But really what we're targeting is we want the CEOs of ministries to bring their board members. Okay. Uh, and that's the target group. And it's one day. It's going to be jam-packed. But we will have sessions from some of the more routine things in board governance, like recruiting board members and board policy manuals, to some of the things that uh, maybe we haven't thought about before, and that's what's the board's role in the soul care of the CEO? Mm. Mm. 
Wow. I, I like that. So you said there's four of them coming up this year. Eight of them. Excuse eight. me, eight. I don't know how I had eight. Okay, eight well, and four. Two times four. Two to- okay, there. so where, when? When's the next ones? Where? How do people find out about these? Absolutely. Go to ecfa.org, and we've got a link right there where they can look at the different sites. They're all in the fall between September and November in eight different cities across the United States. Do you have any idea what those cities are? With I do. Let's see if I can name them. Dallas, Charlotte, Atlanta, Indianapolis, Chicago, Denver, Philadelphia, and Chicago. Wow, wow. nice job. Okay, Wes, um, Vonna mentioned a, a lot of books that have been written. In order to help people understand this, you've helped write some of those books. I know you didn't really want to talk about the books, but what are some of the titles of the books, and how do people find these books? <laughs> well, one is, is The Council, this biblical, biblical perspective on board governance. Um, the, both Dan Busby and John Pearson have done two other governance books. One is Lessons Learned in the Boardroom and then in the Church Boardroom. I forget the exact title, but mm. but those are those have just come out as well. So there is a whole host of, of resources there, and they are doing uh, additional, as mentioned, podcasts and other different kinds of materials for people to learn within the board setting. And is all that stuff found on the website, ecfas.org's website? It is. Wow, that makes it nice and easy. Yeah, it's a powerful site. So if you're running a nonprofit on a board of a nonprofit, you're thinking about starting a nonprofit, or you're connected to one, you're involved with one, make sure they're part of, they they understand the resources that are out there at ecfa.org. You're listening to I Work For Him as we broadcast from Dallas, Texas. That's right, Jim. We are at the Outcomes Conference for a Christian sponsored by Christian Leadership Alliance, and they have given us the opportunity to get to interview several people that have, are either speaking or exhibiting or and are members of the Christian Leadership Alliance. And this whole topic, number one, I want people to understand it's for nonprofits, you know, to be able to raise themselves and learn how to be more excellent. And so with that in mind, this whole topic of board governance is one that I'm very intrigued by because I think that, um, you know, I never even thought to Google that I might be able to find a book to help me with the process. You know, I've been searching a lot of different ways. So today we have with us Wes Wilmer and also Vonna Lowe. And Lowe, I said it wrong. Lowe. Lowe, I said it right the first time. You got to trust your first instinct. I do, for (laughs) sure. And we just really want to focus on this um, excellence in governance. So as we, Wes, you have helped to write a book that helps people with that process. Tell us a little bit about who it's written for and why they would even want to Google this and find that there's a book written about it. And the book is called The Council. That's correct. It's uh, published by ECFA Press. Excellent. And uh, as you mentioned, the the CLA conference that we're participating in the the theme is rooted this mm-hmm. year and the whole idea as evangelicals if you're rooted your 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 roots need to go into scripture it needs to be a biblical yeah. basis and i think we would generally say that there's an there's a lot of influence by the secular culture on christian organizations so in in this book uh gary hogue and greg henson and, and myself ch- took a look at what does scripture say about uh uh, board governance and th- we use the word council because we we looked at four different areas moses in, in numbers 11 the jewish council the first century the gentile council of ephesus and the council of jerusalem in, in acts 15 and tried to say are there some themes of how they used to to uh, 
manage board governance and in, in that, that can be used today. And uh, these other books that we mentioned earlier uh, are, I think, have more practical, very, I mean, they, I don't know how many tips they've come up with, but it, it scores of how to be, you know, good, good governance. But it, it, if you look at governance, in many ways, the, the culture says if to be a good board member, you need to give, get, or get off. And it's a rather crass statement. And so we've tried to say, what, what does that really look like uh, as, as we looked at, the, at this council piece? So that, that, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's a piece of it. So get a copy of the council. It's recommended for everybody. What were you going to say, Vonna? Well, I was just going to say, I think you, the other resources that we talked about, Wes, really build, though, off of the foundation yep. of the scriptural principles that you were able to flesh out. Right. Yeah. You know, I think that will be eye-opening to a lot of people because, you know, we've had over the years, Jim, we've interviewed people that have said, you know, they've written books, Marketing Like Jesus, and, um, you know, different concepts that come from the scripture that we just overlook and to realize that we can actually learn how to run a board well by reading examples from the scripture and then allowing you to hash it out for us um, in this book, The Council is a Great Thing. I, I love it, and I just love the fact that it's all focused on excellence, and that that's something that we should be the light in the community. We should be the example. People should be able to go, I want my nonprofit to run like that Christian nonprofit down the street because they demonstrate excellence. So that's really what we should be aiming for, isn't it, Vonna? I would definitely agree with that, and so much of that really is relational. Um, you know, if, we've, if we're looking at things... Um, serving alongside in boards and the tone at the top that the board sets for the rest of the organization uh, as they relate well with the CEO and then the CEO relates well. Isn't that, to me, that's what Christianity is. is It's a relationship. Mm -hmm. It's our relationship with Christ and then in turn, our relationship with each other and our relationship with the world. Mm -hmm. And so often people look at boards more from an antagonistic standpoint instead of an encouraging. You guys mentioned earlier just that how is the board encouraging the CEO? Because th- that is in a nonprofit world, we're seeing that that's a real necessity because the nonprofit day-to-day world, because you're always working with less money than you really need uh, and you're trying to squeeze really blood, not out of a turnip, but out of like the turnip seed <laughs> in order to make it work. I mean, the encouragement is a huge part of it. You know, you know, we don't need to be pounded all day long, although pounded to be excellent is important, but just to be encouraged is super powerful, important from a board member. The board plays a a number of really important roles. I don't think that you can summarize it in one role. They do have, they have the fiduciary responsibility. I mean, I'll throw out the big word here. You know, they have that and and the buck kind of stops with them. That's five syllables. You have to explain it. (laughs) Five syllable words must be explained on iWorkroom. I know. They have the responsibility for running the, not the day-to-day operations, but for creating the environment in which that organization operates. They have Mm -hmm. that ultimate, they're the ones that are held accountable ultimately for that organization. And that's a big responsibility. Yet at the same time, when they've delegated that to the CEO and ultimately the CEO's staff, then their role to me is the cheerleader um, to support and provide the, um, the resources, whatever those might be, time, talent, treasure to the CEO to allow that person to go and do what they've been called to do. I got a question. Can I get personal with Ivana for a minute? Uh, oh. We'll see. Okay. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, 20 years. She might public, audit your question. Well, she might. <laughs> 20 years. But remember, I have a sister who's a CPA, so I'm used to dealing with this. Um, 20 years of public accounting. 
and you quit that job and now you're working for ecfa which is not a public accounting firm why the jump that seems like a pretty big jump that's a fun a fun question with a really long answer that i'll make succinct and that is uh, i did i spent 20 years started there out of college uh, went to the point of being partner and actually in 2016 was managing partner for the firm and had been a couple of years. Mm. And so I referred to myself as a lifer. I'm here for life. I love this. I love who we serve. I love who I serve alongside. And in the summer of 2016, um, God said, you've done what I've called you to do. And I want you to step out. And I argued with him. And I don't know if anyone else here on air has done that, but oh, I didn't find it to be very effective. <laughs> <laughs> and and so my maybe. arguments were, I'm a lifer. I've done, I've been here 20 years. Can I just finish? And he said, no. And frankly, my next argument was this is economically stupid. And his answer was so. And then I, I laugh and say, oh yeah, that whole, he owns a cattle on a thousand hills thing. So don't live, <laughs> don't live by faith thing. Um, so I, you know, after a lot of prayer and, you know, my husband and I sought counsel from a number of people and just, it was very evident that that's what we were supposed to do. And so I did that. Now, I will say, as a left brain type A analytical CPA, I'm a planner. Mm -hmm. And so I was okay in those, I had four months that I was wrapping everything up. And so I met with literally about 120 people to tell them I was transitioning and, you know, do it well. And I committed to finish well. But the next logical question when you tell someone you're leaving is, well, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? And my answer had to be, I don't know. And that was the most difficult thing in the world. Uh, but I really felt strongly that the Lord said, finish well. You're supposed to take one step. You take that step, then we'll talk about the next one. That's mm -hmm. the whole Psalm 119, 105 thing. We talk about it all the, all the time on the air. That the Lord said he'd be a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. The problem is we put it into a context of the 21st century with LED lamps with a million candlewatt power. But it was written 3,000 years ago where it had a little candle, maybe an oil, not probably not a candle, an oil lamp, and it barely provided enough light for the next step. God didn't promise that he'd light the whole path. He said, I'm just going to tell you enough light for the next step. That's a big deal. It is. And I will say, so December 31st, I shut my computer at 7.30 p.m. And I was like, I'm done. Hmm. I don't know what that means, but like, I'm done. And the next morning was actually January 1st, 2017 was a Sunday. And we were visiting a church in San Diego, California. And the pastor was talking about the Israelites going to the Jordan River and that it was at flood stage. So normally it's narrow, but it was at flood stage and it was huge. And that he told the priest to step in you're what? <laughs> mm -hmm. And they stepped in and, and then the waters parted. And I was like, it was like the Lord said, hello, you just stepped in. <laughs> wow. Wes, you ever had any moments like that in your life? Yes. Mm -hmm. I've uh, had, I mean, you know, you see, I've worked at a number of places. Those, those weren't always smooth transitions. <laughs> 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 Some wanted, not others not wanted. Uh, but, but God used them, and you become a better person as a result of it, and you kind of, can, kind of move on and, and uh, look at, uh, can look back and just say, God, God pruned me and used me in many different ways. It's a matter of obedience. I mean, those steps are obedience steps, but they don't always make sense. But we serve a God who understands it all and works outside of time, so that obedience always makes sense when we're obeying him, but it's still freaky. 
Well, and the more you obey, the easier it is to look back and see God do that so that next time it's, it's easier <laughs> to move forward. <laughs> that, in theory, is the case. That is absolutely the case. We really appreciate you guys being on the show today. Wes Wilmer and Vaughn Lau, thank you for sharing your stories today, and I work for him. Thank really you. appreciate yeah. it. Make sure you check out the, the Christian Leadership Alliance online, christianleadershipalliance.org, and maybe check out ECFA for your favorite nonprofit, ecfa.org. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim and Martha Brangenberg. We're Christ followers, our workplace. It's our mission field, but ultimately, I, I work, work for him. him.